Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. The goal of Baby Bonds is to authentically allow America to live up to its creed of opportunity, its creed of social mobility, its creed of rewarding ingenuity. Welcome to The Best New Ideas in Money, a podcast from MarketWatch. I'm Stephanie Kelton. I'm an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University. And I'm Jeremy Olshan, the editor of MarketWatch. This show has at its heart an optimistic premise that money can actually be a force for good in the world. The ideas we're looking at in this show are real-world solutions that are being taken seriously and even being put into practice. And some of them aren't even all that new. The test of our progress is not whether we add more to the abundance of those who have much. It is whether we provide enough for those who have too little. That's FDR in his second inaugural address. Roosevelt was talking about how we can use our nation's shared resources to tackle the catastrophic poverty of the Great Depression. For Roosevelt, economic security was a fundamental human right. It's hard to have too much life, liberty, or happiness with a totally empty wallet. That was a pretty radical idea then, and maybe it still is. It drove much of FDR's New Deal, which established programs like Social Security and unemployment insurance. And yet, we're still grappling with financial inequality. There's a huge and growing wealth gap in America. Generational poverty is really hard to escape. It's virtually impossible for many families to accumulate enough capital to actually change their circumstances. One solution for this, in fact, a new idea first raised by FDR back in the 1930s, is called a baby bond. A baby bond is a universal, publicly funded trust fund for every newborn baby in the United States. That's Naomi Zodi. She's a health economist at the City University of New York. She led a study that looked at the impact of a potential baby bond program. And she explains how this kind of thing is meant to work. Everyone gets something in this bank account when they're born, and the government puts the money in on your behalf. But the least wealthy get the most. And no one can touch that money until they become an adult. I think what's innovative with baby bonds, as opposed to most other fixes for the wealth gap, is that it takes advantage of time in a really creative way. So much in politics and business is the search for those quick results. But money needs time to grow. Your money collects interest. And then your money plus that interest also collects interest. And then that money continues to collect interest and it grows over time. And that is called compounding. Wealth really is just money plus time. And Zodi says it's not just about having a chunk of money growing in a savings account. It's about the effect that has on a person's overall financial confidence when they're growing up. No one has access to that money while they're a child, but they would receive some notices. You know, they'd get something in the mail every couple of years. Maybe it could be timed with their birthday, for example, to let them know, you know, they have these funds and that they can use them when they become an adult. Because part of what matters is that as you're growing up, you understand that there is a sum of money that you'll gain control over in the future. And it's about planning your future and understanding what it means to have those kinds of choices. You know, that's itself really powerful. Of course, like a lot of new ideas, the devil and the dollars are in the details. 
Turning every baby into a trust fund baby isn't going to be cheap. So how these programs should be structured and paid for is still a bit of a moving target. I think the main difference between a lot of the proposals that I've heard is whether it's based on household wealth or income, and then also whether it's a lump sum or if it's a little bit every year. What they can use the money for is another thing that is up for debate. You know, should they be able to use that money as they see fit? There's other ideas that it would only be able to go towards things like tuition, a down payment, opening a business, some kind of asset growing investment, as opposed to just using it for rent or consumption. And since so much of our financial inequality falls disproportionately along racial lines, the idea of baby bonds inevitably becomes bound up in conversations about equity. Again, here's Zodi. So much of wealth is determined by our parents' wealth, you know, not just through inheritance, but help with tuition, help with a down payment is a really big one. So in all these different ways, parents determine so much of their children's wealth. And it kind of makes sense that there would be, you know, these racial disparities in wealth specifically because it's a generational issue. And so you kind of almost can't separate that from race because race is such a huge factor in how much wealth a person has. Even when you look at two adult households who are married and both have college degrees and earn similar levels of income, the racial wealth gap is substantial. Young white adults already have some $45,000 even before the age of 25. And young black adults have like $3,000 at the same age. It turns out that baby bonds can go a long way in substantially reducing wealth inequality in young adults. At their most basic level, baby bonds are meant to address the idea that the most disadvantaged people in our society, whoever they are, need some kind of structural boost to help them get their foot on the economic ladder. White families with no wealth still get a baby bond, and so it's universal in that sense. But the way that it ends up working out is that so many more Black households are going to get more of this just because of the generational aspect of it. So it's race neutral, it's universal, but it's going to help Black people way more. In the end, it comes down to capital, the accumulation of assets that allow people to truly improve their circumstances. Capital and wealth, it changes your life in a way that income doesn't. Income, it comes in every month and you use it to meet your basic needs. Housing, food, clothing, shelter, utilities, those kinds of things that you never really get away from. Wealth generates all of these benefits because it gives you that peace of mind just by sitting there. And that frees up so much mental bandwidth for people to be able to think creatively. So even without using the money, it kind of opens up the possibilities. Stephanie, it strikes me that what baby bonds are trying to do is create a kind of manufactured inheritance. It's an inheritance from your Uncle Sam instead of your wealthy parent or grandparent. If you think about the kinds of things that you might turn to your parents for help buying, right, what are they? It's probably a home. It's probably help paying for college. Maybe you want to start your own business. And those are exactly the kinds of things that baby bonds are designed to help people with. It's an incredibly creative idea. What it's funding is options. For many people, they get to 18 or 20, or they even graduate college, then they're saddled with debt. They don't have the money to take those risks. And, you know, when you think about what the gaps are that we've talked about, is that going to be 
enough for people to give them that boost? Well, ultimately, it depends on the number of dollars we're talking about, right? And so when people talk about baby bonds, they usually talk about it as a partial solution to narrowing the racial wealth gap. It's not going to close it, okay? So you're going to need other policies aimed at addressing those kinds of inequities. But a baby bond can fund opportunity, and it can also fund hope. Just knowing that the money is there somehow changes the psychology so that you can rest a little bit easier. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. Okay, we're back. So baby bonds is an idea that's picked up some real momentum lately. Baby bonds is American birthright. That was Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey. We already use our tax code to shift wealth up. In other words, if you got wealth, we're going to give you tax breaks to create more wealth. Well, why don't we use our tax code in America to say that everybody in America should have a birthright in this country of some foundation, some nest egg of wealth? Earlier this year, Booker and Representative Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts reintroduced a bill known as the American Opportunity Accounts Act, which would provide every newborn with a $1,000 savings account and then contribute as much as another $2,000 more each year per child, depending on the family's income. Advocates say that this approach to baby bonds might be a practical way to create a more level economic playing field for all Americans. The idea is to sort of financially engineer economic opportunity. Derek Hamilton, an economist at the New School University in New York, talks about baby bonds as a way of creating a kind of moral economy. As capital does what it generally does, iterate, concentrate, and exclude, baby bonds becomes a structural affect to redress that by ensuring that every American has access to at least some capital. So baby bonds helps to establish that moral economy, that economic inclusion, that social equity, so that we truly can have an economy that rewards people and provides them with economic security when they start in a more fair way. Dr. Hamilton sees baby bonds as a step toward balancing the scales, something that's not only fundamentally just, but also quintessentially American. The goal of baby bonds is to authentically allow America to live up to its creed of opportunity, its creed of social mobility, its creed of rewarding effort, its creed of rewarding ingenuity. It's a recognition that without some endowment, that no matter what amount of effort, what amount of ingenuity you have, you're limited in your capacity. So if we really want to have that authentic American dream, then we need to establish a set amount of resources so people can really realize it. It is empowering. That's the point of baby bonds. 
So a lot of the conversation around baby bonds focuses on government-funded programs to, in a way, manufacture inheritance for young people who don't have family money to fall back on. But for Rick Edelman, founder of Edelman Financial Engines, baby bonds should be a boon to babies not in 20 years, but in 70 years. Millions of Americans reach retirement without enough money to support themselves. He proposes using baby bonds to tackle America's retirement crisis. We squander 20, 30 years of compounding because we don't let people save for retirement until they're working. So my proposal allows people to start saving for retirement the moment they are born. Edelman's concept is fundamentally different from the program proposed by Senator Booker and Congresswoman Presley, which would be federally funded, because it's not just a means of helping lower-income families create a financial future for their child. It's also an investment opportunity. Edelman's program relies on the backing of the U.S. government's full faith and credit to guarantee these newly issued bonds. Investors would purchase these bonds and earn interest on a guaranteed government-issued bond. They'll be supporting patriotically one of the most important issues in America today, retirement security. And most importantly, it doesn't require any taxpayer support, no government funding to make the program operate. And Edelman says it's still designed to combat financial inequality by providing more money to lower income families. When the government collects this money, it will allocate it to every baby born in America. And the amount of money that each baby receives is based on their household income. So babies in lower income households will receive larger contributions than those born to high net worth households. But this program aims to use government-backed bonds to make it attractive to investors while boosting the amount of money people will already be getting from Social Security. The money will grow for 30 years, at which point the double E savings bonds will mature. The investors and savers will get their money back plus interest. The remaining money will continue in the account for another 40 years total savings of 70 years, and the balances are projected to be enough to generate a lifetime income, double that from what people receive from Social Security. As I said earlier, wealth is money plus time. Edelman's proposal takes advantage of time and the power of compounding over many decades to, in theory, build value for both investors and retirees. In retirement, between a combination of Social Security and 401ks, the average retiree gets about $23,000 in retirement income per year. So my proposal will provide nearly $27,000 from a single one-time contribution of $58,84. This is why it's such a powerful proposal that it will double the average income for American retirees and eliminate poverty in retirement in this country. These are problems that have been with us for a very long time, whether we're talking about wealth inequality and the racial wealth gap, or whether we're talking about the retirement crisis, where we know that women and people of color face lower lifetime benefits in retirement. They're poorly positioned for retirement vis-a-vis their white counterparts. Another factor is time. You know, people are living so much longer, so many more people living to over 100, and most people... I mean, I'm as guilty as anyone. Don't start saving early enough for retirement and don't save enough. 
Yeah, that's true of a lot of people. But you know, back in the day, we used to think of sort of retirement security as part of a three-legged stool. And we thought, well, your employer bears, you know, some responsibility in the form of providing employees with a pension when they retire. You are supposed to bear some personal responsibility. So you're supposed to set aside something to supplement your retirement income. So personal savings is supposed to play a role. And then the federal government helps in the form of Social Security, providing a guaranteed form of support in retirement. And so those three legs together are supposed to be strong enough to support people in retirement. What's happened, though, is that the legs have gotten wobbly right? The employers more and more frequently offer defined contribution plans, that is 401ks, and no longer so much the employer pensions. So a 401k has some uncertainty that the pension doesn't. And then personal savings, well, that's what we've been talking about. People aren't well positioned for retirement. They just haven't saved enough money. And that's really put a lot of the pressure, the weight on that third leg on Social Security. We know most Americans don't save money. Do you think by people investing in infancy, you know, we've heard people say that there's a you know, knock on psychological benefit maybe of seeing that money grow, that that could address some of those human failings that prevent us from doing what's in our own financial best interest? I mean, there are definitely people who could be saving and for one reason or not, aren't setting something aside. But there are also millions of people who, I think if we sat down and we looked at their you know, finances, we'd be hard pressed to figure out how they can scrape together much at the end of each month to set aside. Connecticut has the highest per capita income among the states, but it's also one of the worst wealth gaps in the nation. So this baby bond plan would address those disparities. So as we said in the beginning, the ideas we're focusing on here aren't purely hypothetical, the equivalent of financial sci-fi. They're innovations that we're starting to see out there in the real world today. Hi, my name is Talisha Torado. I am a 22-year-old mother-to-be. I will be expecting a baby girl in October, and her name is Isabella. Isabella will be one of the first recipients of the state of Connecticut's baby bond program. The plan is the first in the nation to become law. Isabella will receive $3,200, which will be put into a trust and invested until she turns 18. For Talisha, this creates a very different financial reality than the one she grew up in. My mom did everything to try to make ends meet for us. She started working two jobs as a secretary and working at McDonald's. She was always working to do everything possible for us. But I can't say that she sat there and taught me, like, financials. I do know that that is something that I will teach my daughter. For Talisha, knowing Isabella will start her life with a savings account already in place relieves a lot of her anxiety about her daughter's future. But in order to access the funds, Talisha will need to complete a financial education requirement, and Isabella will have restrictions on how she can spend the money. The plan limits its use to education, a down payment on a home in Connecticut, investment in a Connecticut-based business, or as retirement savings. And while the baby bond is a start, it's hardly a cure-all for a low-income family like Isabella's. Yes, there's a baby bond that I will qualify for. However, that is set for specific things when she is older. Even with the baby bonds there, they're still stressful because at the end of the day, 
I don't have no income coming in. So Stephanie, listening to Talisha talk about the difference this money will make for Isabella's life, it makes you wonder if these programs were to be expanded across the country, would they be enough to change the economic realities most Americans face? Well, Talisha's telling us that a program like this has already relieved a lot of financial anxiety that she's had, right? But if we zoom out and we think about the bigger problem of inequality, of generational poverty, you know, programs like this, while they're important and they help us chip away at the problem, they're not big enough to really help us get where we want to get in terms of moving families out of generational poverty, providing the kind of support. We're going to need more ambitious programs. And this is a a really good start, but it's nowhere near going to solve all of the problems. And what are the other kinds of programs do you think it would something like baby bonds would need to be joined with to really make that impact? Well, people who study this at the macro level talk about programs like a federal job guarantee. I mean, we just saw Congress with a single provision in a recent piece of legislation expand the child tax credit. And we know that that expansion is going to lift about half of all the kids who are today living in poverty out of poverty. But it's not a financial windfall. It's not like winning the lottery. But again, you know, if it's done well and the commitment is there, I think this is the kind of policy that can have real transformative changes in people's lives. Here's Derek Hamilton again. Baby Bonds offers people agency, offers people the ability to be self-determining in their life. Baby Bonds provides everybody some nest egg, some economic security by which they can have access to probably the most paramount indicator of economic well-being, and that's wealth. Thanks for listening to The Best New Ideas in Money. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. And if you have ideas for future episodes, drop us a line at bestnewideasinmoney at marketwatch.com. Thanks to Ali Melito, Naomi Zodi, Derek Hamilton, Rick Edelman, and Talisha Tirado. To learn more about baby bonds, head to marketwatch.com. I'm Stephanie Kelton. And I'm Jeremy Elshan. Best New Ideas in Money is a podcast from MarketWatch, produced by Best Case Studios. Devin Maverick-Robbins produced this episode, and our associate producer is Ali Gallo. The executive producer for Best Case Studios is Adam Pincus, and Melissa Haggerty is the executive producer for MarketWatch. Special thanks to Dave Hamilton. Stephanie Kelton is an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University, and not part of the MarketWatch newsroom. We'll be back next week with another new idea.